Welcome to HR Insights, the podcast, topical discussions with and for our global HR community. Hi, and welcome to HR Insights, the podcast with your host, Emily Ramji. This morning, I'm kicking off the second series of our podcast with a familiar face, Sasha Scott. Sasha's 2020 IND Insights was the most popular episode of our first series, so I'm sure I'm not the only one that's looking forward to our conversation today. For those who don't know Sasha, she's the founder and CEO of Inclusive Group and is an expert in diversity, bias, inclusivity and managing psychological health. Sasha's reputation has grown as an international thought leader in the diversity space and she's appeared on the BBC and has been published in The Times, The Guardian and many other specialist magazines. In 2020, Inclusive Group was recognised as one of the top 10 global diversity consultancies Sasha set up her practice over 20 years ago and has worked in over 22 countries, training over 850,000 people. Sasha, you're an expert. Welcome back. Hey, lovely to be back, Emily. Thank you. To kick things off, I'm going to ask you some new quickfire questions so that anyone listening to get, can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so the first one being very topical for the year that we've had. What is the most bizarre activity that you've done on a Zoom call? The most bizarre activity, Emily. Oh, that's a great question. Well, um, actually, I can tell you straight off off the top of my head because it was absolutely bizarre. Obviously, everything that we do as a business is now digital, as it is for all of us. So I spend a lot of time um, you know, on Zoom calls, uh, running sessions around inclusion and unconscious bias. And on one particular session for a new client, you know, it's always for the new client. We had an enormous amount of people in our virtual room. It was about 130. And the camera was spotlighting on me because I was talking and I was in my house alone and um, my teenage daughter had gone out for a walk and she got out for the walk and the weather had become really terrible and um, you know like a lot of teenagers she'd forgotten her door key so she came back from the walk and so hammering on the front door and I'm like there's no way I'm leaving this I can't leave this I'm center of the stage and I have to keep working but my office overlooks the front door it's a floor up so what I did really quickly is I made a paper airplane out of A4 paper I wrote in it you'll just have to keep walking and I put a door key in it and I stood up and threw it out of the window whilst pretending that I was stretching and uh, it landed um, but she didn't read the note so carried on on the door anyway enough of that story but that was the weirdest thing having to make a paper airplane write urgent messages on it and keep talking about inclusion <laughs> i love it what is your top wellness tip well i mean that's a brilliant question um and i think my top wellness tip is probably what works for me which is i try consciously to practice mindfulness about four or five times a week and that really works for me because it's free it's time efficient and it's just a great way of um sort of recalibrating the way in which one sees the world and i tend to do it either on an app or going for a walk but i try consciously to take that time for sasha mm, thank you what is the song that motivates you the most 
Um, I love music and I have quite an eclectic taste. But at the moment, I'm I'm sort of really motivated by indie rock, Ian Brown and a lot of Cat Stevens. And also, conversely, I love listening to classical music. And at the moment, I'm listening to a lot of the cello music by Jacqueline Dupre. So um, really kind of uh, there isn't one. Uh, there is a big old mix, really. <laughs> I was going to say, that wasn't really one song, was it? But some food for thought for people listening. <laughs> and Absolutely. final question. When air travel resumes, Sasha, where is the first place you're going to go to on a plane? I'm going to go somewhere hot, preferably Tulum um, in Mexico. I cannot wait to get into that plane. I'm a bit of a plane nerd, although it is um, jarring against my environmental um, you know, guilt. Um, but I want to get into a play, uh, plane, go somewhere hot, somewhere quiet, and somewhere there is no Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sasha, since we last spoke, I can't quite believe the year that we've had. Across the world, we've obviously experienced huge challenge and change due to the pandemic, as well as some opportunity. And we've also had the Black Lives Matter movement. Our discussion today aims to be both reflective and anticipatory, giving our listeners an insight into your key learnings from 2020 and predictions for 2021 IND trends. So to kick things off, what would you say in regards to 2020 were your biggest IND learnings from the year? That's a really, really great question. Um, 2020 was uh, and is, you know, uh, uh, absolutely cataclysmic in terms of the impact it's had on humankind. And when we take a step back and look at it through an inclusion and diversity lens, I think one of the most clear things is how much more complicated and volatile that whole marketplace has become um, as a consequence of 2020. So, as I think, and I'm really thinking about this slowly, Emily, but I think that there's a real sense of overwhelm about managing and navigating diversity and inclusion for organisations. And it, you know what? It was hard before. This time last year when you and I sat down in London, we talked about the complexity and no one could envisage how the world was going to change so radically in the, you know, from, a, from a global perspective um, a few short months after we talked. So my reflections or, or biggest learning is never underestimate that any of this stuff is easy. It's complicated, it's intersectional, it's volatile, and it and what that can do to human nature is it can cause a paralysis. Another big learning was that we saw a wake up around the world to address issues around inclusion and diversity despite the pandemic. And I, I'll be completely honest with you, Emily, when the pandemic started to hit and creep around the world. I looked at the business we've built and thought we could just go down. This is this is you know why would we be a priority? Have we not always been a nice to have, you know, the kind of value add rather than a business essential? Um, mm. I was wrong. I was wrong. We've been busier than ever as a consequence of the volatility. So 
I think that we begin to learn from last year that across the globe, organizations have prioritized building back better and structurally trying to integrate inclusion and diversity into what they do. Yeah, that's really powerful, that building back better in that sadly a lot of organizations have had to scale back or have seen you know, unprecedented amounts of change, but now there's perhaps a slightly more thoughtful way of how they bring teams back and, and develop their teams for the future. And in relation to all of this, how has the Black Lives Matter movement shaped the broader IND agenda? Because that was obviously something that was hugely significant in your space last year. I'd love to yeah. hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think when I reflect back onto the resurgence of Black Lives Matter as a consequence of police brutality and George Floyd and many uh, black people before him that have been, you know, again, treated appallingly. And um, what that has done is fundamentally changed the narrative around race within organizations. So obviously broader than that, but I, I'm focusing on this from an organizational perspective. And it is single most the one key thing that has changed more than anything else in my knowledge of managing inclusion and diversity for organizations. So, uh, as you said at the beginning, very kindly, you know, we've been in this space for a long time. We've um, worked with multiple um, organizations globally. This is a game changer. This, more than anything else, BLM has changed how organizations are viewing racial inequality. And I think why it's such a game changer is that there was virally just such shock and such uh, a response um, in, in unprecedented um, to this is no longer okay. We have to do something. And we've never seen a corporate response like that to an event. We've seen you know, organizations over the years just sit on the sidelines, more or less, and um, not get involved because it's deemed too political. And also, I think mm -hmm. there's, there is an inherent fear about addressing racial issues. Now, I can only speak about this from a white privilege perspective, but it's one of the conversations we don't talk about race because we're terrified that what we'll say is wrong and we'll open up a box of too difficult. So we just closed that box and everything changed last year. And because the world was, were, you know, glued to our phones, because our workplace, you know, then actually sat in our disinfectant hands, we saw it play out firsthand and we saw a response and a reaction internally within organizations at a, at a um, executive level, at a, a, at a voice level. And that is a game changer because we've never seen that. But what I feel, and I know when you said, um, you know, we're going to focus today on not only reflections, but looking forward, we have to build into what happened in 2021. And this for me will be the year of accountability and authenticity, because any organization can black out an Instagram feed, um, can conduct listening exercises with black voices, can understand more about lived experience, but actually what is going to happen? And if organizations do not start to deliver change, 
increased representation across the board, really looking at the leaky pipeline, addressing cultural inequality, uh, helping people understand what allyship is. But really, you know, it's about numbers. And if we don't see broader representation, then people will walk. And that, that chain of what we say we do and what we actually do affects all talent acquisition. And indeed, do I want to buy the product from that organization? So it's also, you know, consumer to business, as well as who we hire, who we promote. So I think that 2021 will about be about actually who delivered. Authenticity is really central to this. And that you, you answered my next question, which <laughs> was around that anticipation of what do you really see as the most important IND trends this year? And you've spoken there about BLM and, and how that will influence. But when you talk more about representation, am I correct in thinking you're not just talking about race there, but you are then talking holistically about all other angles of diversity? Or is there now a bit of a state of there's a bit of a fight, say, around what is most important and our organization is going to switch and focus a lot more time and effort on the BLM piece and move away from the more historic kind of gender, um, perhaps a little bit more on age and still not focus on so many other aspects of diversity or, or am I wrong? Again, I think that um, we risk polarization within workplaces because absolutely racial inequality needs to be addressed and that's not happening overnight that's that is you know a long game but there is an urgency and action and ex expectation on delivery around that um, however there are multiple other strands of diversity and of course intersectionality that may begin to feel in workplaces what about us? Where are the resources going? Take us with you. So um, organizations are going to be having to play a delicate or walk a delicate tightrope of balance around making sure everybody has a voice and is heard rather than one group over another. I mean, personally, yeah, I think it's really critical that organizations address racial inequality and structural racism, and we start to be better um, at um, not only encouraging uh, talented people from different uh, people of color to come into organizations, but about giving them the correct opportunities. And that might mean more opportunities. It's about diving much deeper into leaders' biases and the impact that will have on small things like who gets opportunities in terms of you know, in front of key clients, who gets um, you know, sponsored, who gets mentored, who gets the feedback, who gets my airtime. However, when I look forward into what we can expect in 2021, we are going to see organizations also balance this with other elements of inclusion and diversity within their workplaces. And we've got to get that balance right, or we'll end up with more polarization. Which is why when we get employee network groups right, they're inclusive, they use allies, they're intersectional, they share resources, we work together. And when I look at, you know, what, what did we learn from 2020 and what's ahead for 2021, I'm passionate that it is about inclusivity. Inclusion is the beating heart of all of this. This is a boardroom strategy right? Getting inclusion and diversity right. It isn't a fixed point in time. It's work in progress. But you know, C-suite jobs in terms of hiring someone um, with IND capability uh, has, has gone up, I think it's 500% in the last 
three years. I, I need to check that actually, Emily. So maybe we need to check that. But um, you know, there's no question that the the trajectory has been upwards in terms of hiring people at senior levels to drive and embed inclusion and diversity. And I'm pretty certain I said this last year, but even more so, inclusion's got to be the beating heart because when we're working in a hybrid environment, when our commute to work can be measured in meters rather than miles, we need to understand that inclusion matters to everybody. It matters to me. It matters to you. It matters to everybody because we feel much more alienated and not part of something. One of the things that we've noticed is that maybe all of us, um, given so much sadness and bereavement this year, maybe all of us have suffered a form of affection deficit disorder. Um, you know, we 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 need to connect with each other now more so than ever, and that's very difficult because the touch points are gone. We can just see each other through screens or on the telephone. So, uh, I, you know, when we look ahead. We've got to get inclusion right, and that isn't a fixed point. It's work in progress. It's about culture. It's about behaviors. It's about listening to people, enabling people to have a voice, and it's very much about embedding a culture of psychological safety. But really, it's about ownership. It's got to be owned by everybody. It's not an HR function. It's not a side of desk. It's not a nice to have. It's business as usual. This is in, really should be wrapped around every different part of process for an organization. So it, I'm going on with this, Emily. So, you know, stop me if I'm, if I'm whittering on too much, but I think when we're looking at trends, we're looking at who owns this accountability. We're, we're talking about structurally embedding it into the DNA of organizations. And we're talking about a, an inclusion wrapper around everything. It's in comms, it's in imagery, it's in um, you know, what products we, we offer to market. It's in um, leadership behaviors. It's in uh, colleague behaviors. It's not just words written in values. It's actually what people do. And it's got to be wrapped around everything. And it's a lot easier to take the bias out of a process than it is a person. But it's, it's, you know, we need forensically mm -hmm. to work with organizations on all aspects of this. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic summary. It's that true holistic nature of inclusion and accountability isn't it because I think you know from my conversations over the years there's been definitely a movement of we're now working with a more representative interview panel we are conscious of the language we're using in a job advert but it might be a company has nailed it specifically within the recruitment process but what about their website to their consumers what about their development and their promotion and their career opportunities more broadly once the talent is in the organization and just listening to you there talk about all those different angles i i i 100 feel that our listeners will be able to think about how do i take this to the next level in my organization wherever we're doing things well versus perhaps we haven't thought about that area yet my next question was going to be in terms of your personal view what do you think will make the biggest difference to successfully driving ind this year and in what you were just saying there, I feel you may have already answered it, but I'll, I'll let you reflect and just feel if there's anything else you'd like to add. Okay. There are several things that I think will make a big difference to successfully driving IND this year. I think number one is the accountability will become more um, 
obvious in organizations that that there's an expectation that leaders and managers will deliver on diversity um, goals that will be um, embedded into competence, that there will be a reward and a punitive element of this. Now, we're seeing this on a strategic level with supplier diversity, that if, for example, I'm a law, I work for a law firm and I'm pitching for new business and um, I'm not really demonstrating real evidence that I care. So Coca-Cola demonstrated this last week with law firms and said, unless you actually really demonstrate that you're, you're doing a lot in this space, you can't even pitch for our business. So there'll be more corporate muscle pushing the agenda forward. There'll be an intermesh of inclusion, diversity, and ESG, environmental social governance. There'll be more understanding that in order to hire talent for tomorrow, we have organizations have to really punch above their weight on delivering their diversity internally, uh, their embedding inclusion. Glassdoor has typified that as saying, you know, it, this is now something that uh, future talent is looking for. So it's generational as well. But it's, um, you know, data data is increasingly demonstrating there's a dividend that comes with inclusion and diversity. And it's very difficult to argue with data. So, I think data will become more and more important as well. Pay gap reporting, we'd expect that to come back this year, not only around gender, but around ethnicity, around disability in time, around LGBT. Gap reporting creates shame that creates change. So, there are many, many drivers, apart from the moral driver that I haven't even mentioned, that this is just the right thing to do, to create cultures that people can do their best work because they feel safe. So that's really what I'd say, Emily. Yeah, look, thank you. There's some some really important points in that. I think for me, the data is so critical, isn't it? Because you said something earlier about organisations saying versus doing, you know, the data shows the doing, like what is the change? How can we actually measure success or failure, um, but actually hold ourselves to account with what we've physically done versus what we're just talking to i think there's a lot of organizations out there that are beginning that journey and are starting to use data in a a more meaningful way sasha i'm conscious of time this is a topic that we could talk about for hours there's so much that's relevant and current and that i'm passionate about the moment but something i'm looking to do with the podcast this year is to make it slightly shorter because i feel the way we listen to podcasts has changed. You know, we're not commuting, as you mentioned earlier, minutes or hours with meters, and we're not traveling and, and having that chance on an airplane to listen to, to our favorite podcast. So I've got one final request um, to help us wrap up, really around your advice from a practical perspective. So for anyone listening, what's one takeaway, one thing that they could do that would directly contribute to the IND within their own organization? Yeah. Okay. I am a massive fan of listening. And I've recently been um, reading a book about a terrorist, sorry, a hostage negotiator. And the power of listening is really, really undervalued. So my top tip for embedding inclusion in your team, in your business, you know, in life generally, is to listen to understand rather than listen to respond. Because when we listen to understand, we hear different stories. When we hear different stories, we can um, explode the stereotypes we have about other people. So listen to understand, not to respond. It, It also takes into account that we're very, very biased 
And when we're listening to understand, we're taking our biases and we're slightly putting them aside. We're creating some space. And I think creating space and listening to understand difference within the workplace is a really excellent way to practically drive and embed inclusivity. Sasha, thank you. I think the advice you've shared there, not only at the end, but throughout the podcast, um, will give our global community some really poignant things to go away and think about um, and hopefully be able to start to incorporate into their strategies and conversations and plans this year. I'm really honoured to have you as part of our podcast again. I know that you are someone that is a significant leader in the IND space and I'd love to have the chance to chat to you again in a year's time and look back at what we've accomplished in 2021 um, and what we're anticipating then in the months ahead. So thank you. Emily, Emily, thank you. Um, as ever, it's an absolute pleasure to um, talk and listen to the Elliot Scott family. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, it's been a pleasure to be able to talk and chat about trends. And yeah, like you say, I too hope that when we meet again, we're actually going to be able to be in the same room. I, I don't think any of us can undervalue the impact this is having on all of us. And I think it, it illustrates why we all need to work incredibly hard at creating inclusion in a hybrid or virtual world with a hope for a better tomorrow so thank you very much indeed really appreciate it and love love talking to you i'm off now to make an airplane <laughs> thanks sasha take care thank you for listening to this episode if you would like to share any thoughts or comments you can get in touch with our host emily ramji at er at elliotskyhr.com elliot sky hr is an award-winning specialist in hr recruitment we serve the HR community globally and have placed HR leaders in over 30 countries. There are over 90,000 members in the Elliott Sky HR community. Please join us via our website, elliottskyhr.com, or our LinkedIn page. Take a look at the other episodes in our podcast series, your blog, and check out our upcoming events hosted in our five global locations.